Welcome back to Petsitter Confessional. Today, we're brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Perennials. What does it mean to live the life of a balanced pet sitter and dog walker? What kind of guiding principles would you need in your life to find that? Today, we are so excited to have Renee Stilson, former owner of Home Sweet Home Pet Care, and now she's known as the balanced pet sitter. She talks about her 23 years in business, how she struggled and worked hard and didn't always succeed to find that balance. But she talks about the lessons that she learned along the way. And she talks about how she knew it was time to hang up her walking shoes and leash and retire. Let's get started. Okay. Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Renee Stilson, and I founded and owned Home Sweet Home Pet Care in Portland, Oregon for 23 years. Um, I also wrote a book in 2019 because I felt like I had learned so much along the way, and I really wanted to help people avoid the pitfalls that that could happen. Of course, we all have to learn in our own way, but um, but I really wanted to give people a head start. So that book, The Balanced Pet Sitter, um, actually launched in February of 2020, um, which was interesting timing. But um, anyway, we can get into that later. But that's who I am. And I recently retired uh, from pet sitting. I sold my business. And my last day of pet sitting was December 26th, 2022. Oh, so 20, 23 years ago, uh, you decided that you wanted to get started in pet sitting. That was, that was really early on in the industry's life. What, was, what, what made you decide it was time to become a pet sitter then? Right. Um, well, we actually are, we had boarded our dog and she didn't do very well. Um, and so we, our vet, uh, recommended we have a pet sitter. So our pet sitter was wonderful. And our, we had two cats and a dog and everybody was super happy. We had drop in visits. We didn't have overnights. Um, and it was just terrific. And I thought, wow, that is, that is just the coolest thing. I have so much peace of mind. My animals do great. This is wonderful. But then that pet sitter moved away, unfortunately. (laughs) And uh, there weren't that many pet sitters around. Uh, I I did try a couple. They were um, just a little bit less satisfactory than what I had experienced before. And our vet didn't have anyone new to refer to. So I decided that I would like to dip my toe in the water. I was in healthcare at the time and I had been in healthcare for about 12 years. Uh, the climate there was getting pretty stressful. And, um, I also don't do great being cooped up inside all day. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, as I'm sure some of us can relate many of us, um, anyway, so I, I thought, okay, well, I think what I'll do is just try pet sitting and, you know, I worked during the week, but I had my weekends free. I had my evenings free, had my holidays free, worked out well, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with my background in healthcare, that was great. I was, I was really comfortable right off the bat, medicating animals and, and dealing with special needs. Um, and with my vet referring people to me, I got so busy that I, decided, okay, well, I'm really, really enjoying this. And in order to make it a full-time thing, I needed to add midday dog dog walking as well. So I took a leap of faith and I quit my job and I never looked back. That's <laughs> it's 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 amazing to to listen to all the the themes that you have there of of needing a change, being connected, having this personal impact of a pet sitter in your own life, and realizing and and then trying to go okay, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? Right, and and especially whenever you were no longer satisfied with with the care that you were providing, and so did you, when when they when you went full time and you made that transition. What were you what were you thinking what kind of what were you hoping would come from from that decision? Right. Well, I was hoping that I would look forward to going to work every day. Uh that I wouldn't have to answer to uh the corporate whims. Uh my my company that I worked for, the hospital system had gone through three mergers and uh and it was just things didn't make sense to me. And I I have to laugh because we had a program at the hospitals called um, Employee of the Month. 
I was never employee of the month because I wasn't just going to go in there and do everything they said without it making sense to me. So I asked a lot of questions. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, (laughs) okay, but, but, okay, so I come from a line of entrepreneurs. You know, my parents worked for the man, but both of my grandfathers were self-employed. And I think maybe it's in my DNA, but I just, I had to know the reason why I was doing something and I had to have buy-in. And so basically it was just really a no-brainer. Here I was just spending time with animals, loved animals, have had animals my whole life, felt like I had the knowledge and the demeanor to deal with that. I did home care. I was a therapist, um, an occupational therapist. I did home care for humans. And I went from that to doing home care for animals. It was just (laughs) this amazing segue. Um, So basically, it, it was just, it was just so satisfying. And as a caregiver, what I always wanted to do, why so many of us go into caregiving, we want to help people and we want to make an impact. Uh, We also want to feel valued. Um, And, and that's kind of one of the intangibles, but it's very important to feel like what you're doing is making a difference. If you have that type of a personality. And I think most of us who go into this business, I mean, there are a few people who, um, don't go into it with as much um, information. Like they're like, I like animals. I can do that. Well, there's a lot more obviously involved in pet sitting and running, especially running a company. But, but I think that our, our personality type, and I've become very familiar with our personality type over just the time that I have the research I've done for my book, the time I've spent in forums and at conferences. And and we, it's what we give comes back to us tenfold Mm -hmm. in this career by just being able to help people be away from their animals and not worry and know that everything is just the way they want it to be. It, it it really is where that flows from, right? And we have that we have that passion. You mentioned that word. I need a buy in to make this make sense to me. And I'm going to ask some good questions. And that I think is so important. Not just being a pet sitter, but as you mentioned, also being a business owner. Of right. what's the what's the purpose behind this action that I'm doing? Does it make sense for me, for my staff, if I have them, for my clients as I'm serving them? And we never really stop asking asking those kind of questions, right? There's always something that's going to come up where we go, oh, that that's new. I wonder how that's going to impact me. And that's part of this development and continual uh, improvement of ourselves as we grow and mature, not just personally, but our businesses as well. Right. Yeah. At one, one little novel thing is that now um, I tell people, guess what? I'm employee of the month every month at my company <laughs> and you can be too. Right. So, so you, you started your, your company 23 years ago, you started this journey. What were some of the major changes that you, that you were a part of over that time? Well, I started out as a sole proprietor and um, I, I, even when I was in healthcare and the hospital systems, I did not enjoy supervising people. And I knew that about myself. I had a lot of confidence in my own abilities. And I, I knew that I would get the job done. It would be done just right. And so I went into it just thinking I was going to be solo. And, and that's how I was for a long time. And it worked out really, really well. Um, In the beginning, of course, I paid my dues. I did work really long hours. I, you know, basically when you're starting out, you kind of, it's, it can be feast or famine. So you really, during the summer, during the holidays, you just work your tail off and then you have those times when it's slower and you get to know when those times are and you plan your time off for those times. As the business built, it was just much more steady and I was able to 
script it out better for myself and anticipate what, okay, how many visits do I want to do for Christmas? I don't want to do 13 visits a day on Christmas anymore. Uh, that sort of thing. So the business just became more steady where I didn't have to do so many, many peaks and valleys, which was, which was nice. And, um, I just happened to have a very understanding family and spouse and all of those things really matter because this is not a job. Mm. It's not even I, I don't even describe it as a career anymore. I can I describe it as a lifestyle. And when you are a pet sitter, you're basically you're on your purpose. You're passionate about it. So, you know, it's something that you accept and that the people around you learn to accept. <laughs> um, but after so, you know, basically I would. When, when business became steady like that, like we were talking about, then I had to figure out, okay, when am I going to take time off? How am I going to take time off? And so by that time, I had, you know, five or six years of experience under my belt. And I started meeting people who, I don't know about you, but everywhere I would go, people would say, oh my gosh, you're a pet sitter. That would be so much fun. How do I do that? How yeah. do I get into that? And so I would say, well, you know, let's sit down and talk. And if you're interested, I could mentor you and, and just give you some hints and that sort of thing. And that was great. I it ended up that I mentored many people over the years and they weren't that busy when they were starting out, right? So I would feed them my overflow and they would cover my times when I was off or times when I just had too much work. And that worked out so well. It was just a win-win for everybody. They had me there with my experience and I could be a sounding board for them because as we all know, it's pretty solitary um, until you find your community. And back then there just wasn't much of a community. So um, we, I, I, I did that for many years where I just, there was just a constant flow of people coming in. And when they got too busy, there would be just somebody right behind them. And I would start mentoring somebody new and it, it just worked out perfectly for mm. all of us. Um, we did form pet sitters networking groups so that uh, we could all meet and we could all talk about issues. You know, that was, that was before Facebook. That was before all the all the tools that we have now, um, which your group is is just such a big part of that now, um, the pet sitter confessional. And so we would get together monthly. I would arrange for speakers. We would cover different topics. We would just talk about issues that were coming up and and it would be we'd have support. Um, then there just became a time when, there wasn't anyone new in the pipeline who was who I was interested in mentoring or who had come come forward. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna take the plunge. I knew a couple people who had ICs. I met with them, independent contractors for everybody. <laughs> um, people weren't really doing employees back then. It wasn't, it wasn't prevalent enough to even have people working for you. Um, the people that had ICs were more on the cutting edge. Um, so I, I got a comfort level because I thought, oh my goodness, these people, I'm covering them with my insurance. I'm sending them into people's homes. I'm not there supervising them. And so it takes a real level of trust and also elite, a real um, a lot of faith, <laughs> I guess how I would say, yeah. uh, because you can't control it. And I was used to being able to control every aspect of the job I was doing. So, um, I found some great people, um, just slowly and they were every people who I knew like friends of friends or, some of my friends, adult children, that sort of thing. So we we were just rocking and roll and we were doing overnights. We were doing, um, you know, dog walks. We were we were just all over and, and it was great. Um, 
And then basically I didn't love supervising. So, um, and that it's, it's your personality. Cause there are some great people in the business now who I watch and they are, they're born leaders that way. Um, I am a worker bee. I'm not, and I'm was not, like I said, I was not interested in being a leader, but by necessity, I, I became a leader. So we went along and it was great. And I would have different ICs come in and out and, and it was all wonderful. Um, but people would move on. A lot of ICs that I had were entrepreneurs themselves. They had little businesses that they were starting. And so there became a point when I decided that it was time to have employees. Um, because also with an IC, the the climate was, of course, with an IC, you know, it became very, very clear on how you could manage an IC and how much you can, how much supervision you could give them, how much um, guidance. And it was very strict. It was getting very strict here in Oregon. I mean, California is, has been always on the leading edge of their labor laws and Oregon just being North of them. We, we tend to follow suit. And so it became clear and, and I was getting more uncomfortable with the idea of ICs. So and and it's the right thing to do, you know, to cover people with their work, the work comp, and to get to pay them hourly to compensate for their training. And also, it's nice because you can give them direction, and you can say, "These are my standards. These are the company's standards, and these are the standards you need to meet." Um, because the clients don't really know the difference. They felt when they thought, "Okay, when I had an IC, if something." was going wrong or if they had an issue that I could basically take care of that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. but I had to be really careful mm. on how much I could take care of. It was, it had to be phrased as the client wants it done this way. These are the client's requests. These aren't my requests. I'm not your boss. And so anyway, it was, like I said, natural progression to employees. So I decided to convert um, and we, I met with an employment attorney, got everything totally laid out, understood what needed to happen as an employer in Oregon. Um, and the timing was really good because I was starting to write my book mm. and that way I could have this staff person who was out there, really, I could direct them, but I could work a little bit less. And that was nice. So only one of my ICs wanted to convert to employee, but she turned out to be the best person that I've ever had work for me as an employee. Um, she would basically work on on the schedule that I asked her to, I still offered her work and gave her the opportunity to say no, because I still could never really get to that point where I'm like, this is your schedule and you have to work that. Same. Because <laughs> I, I feel like that's part of why people want to pet sit is because there is some flexibility. And um, so anyway, we, we got into a great rhythm and I was writing my book. She was doing you know, I was working about 20 hours a week and, and she was doing the rest. The plan was to add more employees over time, but I didn't want to add them while I was in the midst of this whole new venture, writing my book, because that involved a lot of training and onboarding. And, and so what we did was we just went along that way for about a year and we were ready to ramp everything up and then add about four more employees. And my book came out, like I said, February, 2020, Ugh. then the pandemic hit. So that was, it was such an interesting time. And I know we all feel somewhat traumatized <laughs> from the whole thing, uh, a little bit beaten down, maybe rising from the ashes now, but it was, it was such a challenging time for us. We basically had no work none of our, our vacation clients were traveling. We had a few essential worker clients whose dogs we walked. 
And I made the decision to give all of the work to my employee. And like so many of you out there, I applied for the PPP loan. I got that. I kept her working and fully paid for about three months. After that, there wasn't anything that, you know, we had run out of our funds. And I I did need to start working at that point. I could absorb it to a certain point. And I know a lot of my colleagues who had employees are like, I I can cover them, but not forever. You know, like I have some reserves in my business, but I, I it wasn't something that was sustainable. So I laid her off and she was fine. She found another job within a few weeks. Um, and that was great for her. And I went solo again. Mm. So back to square one, right? Back yeah. to basics. So that's what I did. I basically, but I didn't want to go back to working as much as I did in my heyday because I things were really challenging. We had so many factors to consider with the pandemic. Like it took so much longer to do visits. We had to do our PPE, we're doing shoe covers, hand washing, masking, all that stuff. I mean, visits took at least 50% longer just to navigate all the issues. Um, so I had a more limited availability and my clients were great because they were just, you know, at that point, some of them were starting to travel mostly out of necessity. And I would just let the clients know, okay, these days I'm completely booked. I'm not a, you know, I would give, I was actually proactive. I would send out an email every couple weeks and I would just say, this is my availability. These are days I'm not available. And my clients were so amazing. I mean, some of them had been with me for 15 years, you know, Mm. some, some more recent, but they, work their trips around me. They just, they just said, okay. And so I would be basically, I would have some time off and then the day they, they'd book me for the day I was back or the, you know, and so I would be booked from the time, the time I returned from my time off till the time I uh, basically left. And they, we just had this little puzzle we put together. (laughs) So that was, that was that. Yeah. And, you know, that went on for quite a while. And uh, until, oh, and, and then basically I was doing, I wasn't having any downtime during my day. Do any of you know how that feels? <laughs> <laughs> What's that? <laughs> because I was doing all of the cat visits. We had a lot, we have a lot of twice a day cats, Mm. uh, medications, a lot of cats eat wet food, that sort of thing. So it was, it was definitely, um, twice a day, um, less once a day. So I would do all my morning and evening rounds and I might be home for an hour. And then I would be going out and doing all the midday dog walks. And, and so I decided that I wanted to go cats only. And I, a lot of people had started doing that and I gave myself permission, like, okay, I love the dogs. I love dogs and cats equally, always have, but I just decided that there had to be some downtime in my day because after all, I was the balanced pet sitter. I wasn't supposed to be having an hour in the morning, an hour (laughs) in the evening to myself. And that was it. Um, And you know, luckily I have a partner and our animals are, are well taken care of, but I, I felt like I had no balance at that point. So, uh, so I decided cats only, that was great. I had colleagues cause people were still looking for business at that point and bouncing back. So I could, um, they could absorb my dog walking and, and that was great. And that was great. And so uh, for the last two years of my career, we were cats only. Have you heard of Time to Pet? Chris Ann from Raining Cats and Dogs has this to say. Becoming a Time to Pet client has been a game changer for us. We can give our pet services clients real-time, cloud-based information they never imagined they'd be interested in. And most importantly, to me personally, I can better manage my company and look forward to more. And not a small thing. 
Time to Pet is responsive to my request for new features and modifications to existing ones. If you're looking for new pet sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com slash confession. That's quite the life cycle of the business, uh, right? especially, <laughs> especially with, <laughs> with, with, with growing. And what I, you know, what's interesting, Renee, is, is you, know, you said a couple times of how you, you didn't want to supervise people, but you kept supervising people. So what, was that a, a decision because you were looking for that kind of business growth? Did you feel like it was a, a necessary evil for you to have to run the kind of business? Or were you, did you feel like you just kept kind of getting – or were you trying to change how, how you approached that, that aspect of it? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think as I got older, I got more patient and I decided that (laughs) I could potentially supervise people and not completely alienate them. (laughs) (laughs) I have really high standards. I was, I was, I'm a recovering perfectionist. So basically, you know, like that's what I think the clients expected is that everything was exactly how they left it. And, you know, it had to be if the water dish was on the right and the food dish was on the left, that's how it was, you know? And so like, I, and that's, that's feedback that I got from my ICs, you know, was that basically like they would have to take pictures of how things were because I would go back out like we job share. So I'd go in, I'm like, Hey, you reverse the water. In the food dishes. <laughs> you know, dogs don't really care about that stuff, but cats do. Cats yeah. don't like their routine. Disrupted. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah. So I think it was out of, I think when you ask it that way, I think it was a necessary evil for me. Um, because I wanted to serve more people and none of us like to say no. I I got good at saying no and you have to, but then when I had people working for me, I didn't have to say no as much. Yeah. And, and I, we had a reputation and we had a lot of business coming in. And so I just thought, okay, let me see, let me see how I like it. And, and, it wasn't as bad as I thought. And I I was able to, like I said, find trustworthy people. And you know, hiring is a whole nother ball of wax. And we have a lot of a lot of different uh people who can speak to that. But just believing, letting go, letting go of the control and really trusting that I could find these people who could meet my standards was huge. And I think that was a turning point for me when I could actually release some of that and, and not be uptight about it. Um, I, I think you just, you really have to, you have to give up some of that control and have faith in people and know that, and trust your instinct and really know that trust your gut. If, if these people seem like they're responsible and they've got their, they've, managed in their life well and you can you can see that that they meet those criteria that you think you want in a person you just need to you just need to give it a shot (laughs) well and that decision of going okay i'm this isn't something i originally saw myself doing of managing and arranging people and working with schedule and training but if I want my business to be able to do X, Y, Z, or if I want to be able to operate, or if I want to be able to impact my community in a certain way, what 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 does that necessitate from me then? And do I have to be okay with developing in this other way? And, and you know, like you going, oh, I actually don't mind this as much as long as I have my processes in place and I go through this in a, in, a, in an intentional manner. But recognizing that you know, there's there's what we want and we can mold our business to shape that. And if we have that feeling of oh, I wish we could do more. I'd like to do more and help more people and serve more people. Well, that may mean that we have to be, you know, bite the bullet and say, okay, I need to need to hire somebody and just see how that goes and being okay with kind of experimenting with that for a while for ourselves to see if we're really okay with it. Right. Right. And like I said, you know, I dipped my toe in the water with pet sitting, yeah. dipped my toe in the water with ICs. It worked. So, okay, let's, let's bring on a, you know, one or two more and, and just, and just see how it goes. 
Yeah. I know a lot of pet sitters, you, know, you said it's very lonely, right? We don't talk to a lot of people throughout our days. So we can get really focused on, on this exact task and, and scrubbing this water dish and making sure that this area is clean and sweeping this floor and taking this dog for a walk. But, you know, I, I know you, you envision this and you see a lot of big, a lot bigger impact of pet sitters on the community. And I want to, you know, kind of pick your brain on how you, how do you see pet sitters and dog walkers impacting their local community and the people they're serving? Yeah, well, I see it as something that we can really be ambassadors for how people see professional pet care, that it isn't just a hobby. You know, there are hobbyists out there, of course. And I think to differentiate ourselves between that and really educate people on what it means to have a professional pet sitter versus having someone, you know, the neighbor, the friend. I know we all hear these stories of of things, you know, that's how we get clients (laughs) because the neighbor, the friend, the the hobbyist uh, flaked out on them or whatever. So I see it as uh, really getting out there, talking about what a professional pet sitter does for you, what you can expect from them, going to different community meetings, going to your your chamber of commerce meetings or networking groups in your community so that people understand and they also see the value of having someone, having your animals stay in their own home. I think more and more people really want that now. You know, I think boarding has definitely uh, taken a back seat unless it takes, unless it's a dog who is really is young and has a lot of energy and would get into way too much trouble at home if they were left there with pet visits. Um, You know, I, I think that, and for us to become resources for clients, uh, I, I have so many clients who will ask me questions on all kinds of behavior issues, health issues. Of course, I'm not a vet, uh, but I can say what I've seen and in my experience, what I've seen work and what I would advise and also advise them when to take the their pet to the vet. Um, we can become this team member for them in their pet's care and really it's quite an intimate relationship that we have with a lot of our clients. And so many times over years, we become family members almost. And uh, so I see impacting the community and just making, um, reducing the stress for the animals and for the humans and providing comfort and care and building that reputation so that people know that there are are people out there who take this really seriously and will treat their animals as if they were our own and they can go away and, and not worry about anything. You mentioned education. And I think that's a huge component of this, of really just being a resource there for our clients and our community at large, whether they use our services or not to be, you know, writing blogs, doing interviews, sharing things that we're reading and learning about on social media or directly one-to-one with clients because they will feel more comfortable. They do feel, in my experience, at least a lot more comfortable coming to us than they do going to their vet even or to their groomer because they see us a lot more. They interact with us a lot more. And so we're kind of top of mind when it comes to not just, oh, I'm leaving. I need to take care of my pet. But, oh, my, my dog's acting a little different today or, or my cat's urine smells a bit different. Let me ask, you know, let me ask Renee what that could mean because I don't know that they're not going to be able to te- just text their vet. Right? That's, right. They're, they're going to be reaching out to us. And that that alone, besides the peace of mind, but the education, making better pet parents educated so they can live a really good life with their pets, that's a that's a game changer when it comes to pets and their owner's relationship for the for their entire life. You you walked us up through about, you know, after 2020 and you've made the switch now to being solo and you're finding more space in your day and you're going cats only. So you've made a lot of changes in your business. What at what point did you decide, Renee, that that it was time to to retire from this and go and do something else? Right. Okay. Uh, big decision, right? I mean, Kristen Morrison. Thought, I've seen her speak at the conferences. She says, 
set up your exit strategy, even when you're just starting your business, you know? So I think that I thought, oh my gosh, that is so far in the future. You know, I, I don't even know what my exit strategy would look like. And then I just, I woke up one day, it was actually a year ago, a year ago, February. And I thought, okay, I'm not as excited about going to work as I used to be. Um, I love the animals, but I've had to pivot a lot in the last two and a half years and I'm tired. Mm. Um, so there were a lot of factors that, that that went into that. And, you know, as we go through life, we have different ups and downs and challenges. And I had like at year 12, I was, I basically thought that I was getting burnout and I was, I was not finding new challenges, actually things were, I could, I could do the job with my eyes closed. And, uh, and I, I thought, okay, well, this is interesting. And I had a brief foray into another, while I was still pet sitting, had a brief foray into another field that I thought would suit me well. And, and shortly, very shortly found out it didn't suit me at all. And so I came back to pet sitting like I was home Mm. and I thought, okay, yes, I can do this with my eyes closed, but I want new challenges. I want, I want to be able to use my brain I don't want this to be so rote. And boy, did I get challenges. I got so many awesome experiences because I asked for them. You Uh, know, I, I, so many new experiences with different animals, different health issues with animals, different situations. And I just felt alive again. And, and it was great. I had this new, this resurgence and, um, like I said, I had been in healthcare for 12 years. And then by that point in pet sitting for maybe 15 years, um, and my mom got Alzheimer's. So I talk a lot about compassion fatigue and in my book and in, in forums and blogs. I never really knew what compassion fatigue was until it happened to me. And I thought I was going crazy. Mm-hmm. I would say to people, I think I'm having a nervous breakdown, even though I don't even know what the definition of a nervous breakdown is. Like I would just be tense and stressed and tearful. And I couldn't handle one more thing. Just, I couldn't do one more thing. And it, and it turned out there was just a cumulative effect of all those years of being a caregiver and absorbing other people's energy and their trauma and their drama and also then this added layer of being responsible for my mom who had this terrible disease. And luckily it's when I had ICs and I really just had to take a step back. I had to go to therapy. I found a coach who specialized in compassion fatigue and I had to completely change my mindset to where I had to learn to put my own oxygen mask on first. And so many of us, we will do whatever it takes for everybody else, but when it, we won't do whatever it takes for us. And to actually say to myself, I need to totally step back and just regroup here. Um, I was able to do that. And I feel like I came out of the other side of really such a dark time. And after that, I just, I started gauging my life satisfaction. And when the pandemic hit, there was just so much. And I navigated it all. I pivoted. Things were looking up. But I didn't want to bring on any more staff. I thought, no, I'm at this point. I'm in my 60s now. I started my business when I was in my 40s. And I decided... I wasn't serving as many people as I wanted to, and I didn't want to get in my car every day. I, you know, once I got to the animals, it was amazing. Mm. And I really like to think that I provided the same 
standard of care and love and attention that I always did to the clients, but inside it it wasn't I wasn't there anymore. And I really needed to start thinking about what I was what I was most concerned about is that, you know, you walk into a store and you see a disgruntled worker or you see someone who just hates their job and you're like, man, that person needs to get out. Yeah. They need to, they need to change. They need to do something else because they're unhappy and they're making everyone else around them unhappy. And I never wanted to get to that point. Yeah. I never wanted my clients. To, I'm really good at masking, you know, but plus we don't have to at, at masking my feelings because, you know, we're there to support our clients. They don't need to hear about our problems and, and all that. So I'm, I'm good at that, but I never wanted anybody to say, Oh my God, she is burnt out. She needs to get out. Mm. And that's when it just kind of hit me. I, I thought, okay. My husband, he's a musician, and he always says, you got to leave him wanting more. You know, don't stay in it too long. Like, don't do, you know, do one encore. Don't do three, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So I thought, yeah, I got to get out while I'm still on my game. My performance is still good, but my heart's not in it anymore. And so there's something else out there for me. And that's that's when I made the decision. Yeah, well, that can be really hard to see, especially looking back over those years going, or maybe it wasn't hard, Renee, I don't know, but looking back going, everything that you poured into this, you said, you know, I, I pivoted, I changed, I did all this stuff. It's been 23 years at this point that I've been working on this, but I'm just, this isn't for me anymore. And, and really recognizing that that's, you know, wanting to leave your business on good terms, basically, is, is really what that is of going, you know, Something else is out there, and and I'm going to try and find something new. I mean, d- did you ever think that you would retire from from running the business, or did you have always something in mind of, well, there'll be a day where this won't won't occur? Because I know many people just starting or maybe mid career. We've been in this for ten years. We still, you know, don't really think about a day where we're not going to be doing this. No, I never thought I'd retire. Mm. I thought I would do this. You know, even just like. Just, you know, a few visits here and there until I basically, you know, rode off into the sunset. I just (laughs) did it. I I just felt like I would refer business out to my colleagues and just would would just sit for a few people. And no, I never thought I would retire. Pet Perennials makes it easy to send a heartfelt condolence gift directly to someone with a broken heart. They have this awesome direct-to-consumer gift model that takes the effort off of us and ensures a thoughtful, personalized sympathy gift that reaches your client or employee on your behalf. All gift packages include a handwritten card, colorful gift wrap, and shipping fees across both the U.S. and Canada. They also offer an array of milestone gifts and greeting cards that can be sent to celebrate birthdays, extend get-well wishes, and welcome new and rescue pets. Additionally, there are gift choices in case you need to send a sympathy gift in memory of a special human client or celebrate a pregnancy, engagement, or wedding of a pet lover. If you're interested, register for a free business gift perks account to unlock the all-inclusive discounted package prices. Since the service is used on an as-need basis, there are no monthly or annual obligations or minimum purchase. Learn more at petperennials.com, check out their business programs, or register for a free gift perks account by using the link in the show notes. So what was that process like? You know, you, you've, you're in February, you think it's time to change. Where did you start going with that process? Right. I decided that I should put some feelers out. You know, my business wasn't worth what it would have been worth if I'd had five employees if the pandemic hadn't happened, you know? Um, So, but I still felt like it had value. And I, so I researched how to sell a business um, through a lot of different avenues. And that's another, a whole nother conversation. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I also decided I I had a meeting with Kristen Morrison a few years ago when I was building the business up and really thinking about, okay, you know, how do you get a business to the point where it is maybe desirable for somebody to take over by your client list or whatever? Like I said, even though I wasn't really thinking retiring. Um, 
And Kristen advises, you know, keep it on the DL. Don't don't put it out there that you're selling your business because you don't want your clients all to hear about it or you don't want this or that. But to me, that's fear-based and I don't operate on fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I operate on that if you have an intention and you put it out there and you really are open to receiving what comes, then it will. And how I've been in this community for 23 years. I know a lot of people, yeah. you know, we come across vet techs, trainers, um, other business owners, people who say they'd love to be a pet sitter. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to tap into that. I'm going to put out some feelers and I'm just going to ask people if they're interested. And what's so bizarre or fortuitous, we could say one or the other, um, is that a vet tech who I had known, she was one of my favorites at our vet. And I used to walk dogs past her house all the time. And we would, <laughs> we would visit. Um, she texted me two weeks before I made that. I, this thought entered my mind about exiting. And she asked me if I could take over a dog walking job for her um, because she, her schedule wasn't working to keep walking this dog. And I mm. thought, I thought I let her know that I was cats only, but I also thought, Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even know she was pet sitting. And so I was asking her, you're pet sitting now? She goes, yeah, I left the vet. I left the veterinary field during the pandemic. It just became too stressful. So I'm pet sitting now. So, okay, just way back. That just went in, in back in my mind. But she was one of the people that I texted when I thought, okay, I'm going to see. I'm going to ask all these people in the in my circle if they or anyone they know would be interested in sitting down and talking about buying my business. And, and, and basically everyone was like, yeah, I'm not sure I'll think about it or I'll, I'll put the, I'll put some feelers out. And she said, we need to talk. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Right back to me. And like I said, she, she might not have even been on my radar. We hadn't even seen each other in two years. Mm. But there it there it was. There was this opportunity, and it I truly believe it was because I was open and because I had a clear picture of the kind of person I was looking for and what um what I wanted for my business. Because this person is like me. When you're around her, you feel like you've been okay, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. You feel like you've just been wrapped up in a big hug. You just feel the love. Yeah. And she understood animals the way I do. She has been through pet hospice training like I have, death doula training. So we sat down for, you know, just for coffee. Three hours later, we were just like, <laughs> okay, okay, this this really could turn into something. Yeah. So we decided that what would be best was to bring her on as an IC, a true IC. Um, where I did not have any sort of authority over her because, but I wanted my clients to be able to get to know her Mm. and experience her style and see how they responded. And we wanted to see if we were a good fit. So that's what we did. Three months later, my clients loved her. They were so accepting of her. Mostly they were excited because the availability had more than doubled at that point. They're like, <laughs> in my little 20 hours a week. And now her and her 40 hours a week, we yeah. were really, we were really uh, ramping up. And, and so they, they just loved her and we decided, okay, um, we're going to move forward with this. And, um, and so the thing is that I wanted to circle back to Anyone that you are talking to about buying your business, even if it's just people you know, get a non-disclosure agreement signed mm. because, yeah, <laughs> they then they can't go and blab to everybody that you're even talking about selling your business. And you can feel comfortable that even though you are taking a risk by putting the word out, there's nothing confidential that that person 
that person has agreed not to share that information. Yeah, well, you can enter into it with a lot more, I like that word, confidence of going, I can really put everything out here on the table knowing full well that this isn't going to be used against my business, used to poach people or spread rumors or things like that. And just going, I want everything to be out there and we can have an honest discussion about this. Uh, because it, it is, I'm sure it's scary to start broaching that topic and have all these it, things running through your head about the what ifs and how is this going to work out and what do I, you know, how am I going to talk to people about this? And I think your idea of bringing them on into the business to start doing visits is a very interesting way of doing that because it sounds like you weren't really looking for top dollar here. You were wanting best service to your clients and wanting to make sure they were treated well uh, and, and can, were continuing to be served the way you would want to be done. That was my goal for my business. Mm. You know, it's such a personal thing for everybody. And like I said, I called, basically when I went back solo, I reframed it. I said, I'm a boutique pet sitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're back to just me, high level of service, you know, just very, very uh, specific clients. I only worked for people that I absolutely enjoyed. And yes, I, and if I had, sold the business, if it hadn't worked out to sell the business to somebody that I already knew, I did not have to train this person on pet care at all. She knew everything about animals that I did, except chickens. I had to, I had to tra train her on chickens. <laughs> <laughs> There's <laughs> always something. <laughs> chicken fluently. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, but if I had sold it to somebody that I didn't know and I had advertised it on the open market, the price would have been higher. Now, so it's it's December 26th and you're wrapping up that last visit ever. Renee, what was that like? It was really emotional. Mm -hmm. It was a lot different than I expected because I was like, I've got my retirement tour planned in January. I'm going to visit all these people. And, you know, I was like kind of on this high, like, okay, this is a lifestyle I've lived for 23 years. And now I'm going to be, I'm going to have no obligations, no obligations. What is that going to feel like? And I thought it was going to feel amazing, which of course it did eventually. Mm. but. I was seeing all my very favorite clients over the holidays. I cherry picked who I wanted to see <laughs> because, oh, I want to let you know, I did stay on after we announced the sale. Okay. I stayed on for six months to help because we had work scheduled. We had work uh, scheduled out to yeah. help out and to train for time to pet. Yeah. Okay. Train for the bookkeeping. All the business management stuff. Okay. Yeah. So, so I was still there. I was still seeing the clients and we had lots of work booked over the holiday. So I got very emotional my last week and I would be like, this is the last time I'm scooping this litter box. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is the last time I'm brushing these cats. This is the last time I'm sending these clients pictures of their actually elderly frail cats and I who actually let me give them their medicine and you yeah. know just everything that had gone into it and it's almost like my whole career flashed before my eyes that yeah. week and when I sent that last text and I locked that last door it was very very bittersweet it was I just I was like, oh my gosh, this is the end of an era. Yeah. Huge, a huge part of who I am and who I was. And I'm going to need to find a new way to be. Mm. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that you really can't tell how you're going to feel because, like I said, I felt like I was just going to be floating <laughs> and ecstatic. And it took me a full month to decompress oh. from 35 years being a caregiver, you know, not feeling, Oh my gosh, I got to get up. There are pets to see, you know, having dreams, right. You, have <laughs> dreams you need to be 
at a certain yeah, point. How many visits have and, you been late to since right? the day? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it was, it was a process for sure. It wasn't a line of demarcation at all. Yeah. It was definitely uh, something that, that took time. And um, I've learned to embrace it. Sure. And I still keep in touch with a lot of my clients because they text me pictures and what's happening. And I text them and I'll be going back to visit people and that sort of thing. But it was um, light and heavy at the same time. Well, so a lot of a lot of our listeners are, are very new in their journey. Uh, you know, maybe been in business one year, a month, or you know, we're still you know ten years, but you know, we're in thirties, forties. What advice would you give us to to start preparing for that day, uh, so that when we do lock that door for the last time, or when we do decide to make that change, uh, you know, how can we prepare now, or is, or is there anything we can do to to get to that point where we're ready? I think a big thing is to live your life very intentionally now. Um, you know, from the title of my book, I, I am really, really focused on having balance because I've seen I've seen pet sitters run themselves into the ground. I've seen people just in tears at the holidays, you know, being overbooked and the weather's bad and they don't know how they're gonna get from place to place. And so I think along the way, make sure you're having fun. Mm. Make sure that you are putting putting on your own oxygen mask doesn't involve being selfish. It involves taking care of yourself so you can take care of others. If you're frazzled and stressed out, trying to get through traffic, all of those things, you know, it, it takes away the pleasure of this. This is the best job in the whole world, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And um, being your own boss, calling your own shots, having variety and flexibility, no two days are the same. They're, they're, and feeling so valued and having just a full heart. Just make sure that you're that your engine has enough gas in it and that you're taking time off, you're scheduling that for yourself. You, you don't need to give a hundred percent every day. I mean, we give a hundred percent when we're there with the animals, be in the moment, enjoy it, be there for the clients, but also give yourself a hundred percent and have fun, find joy, play, plan vacations. When I hear people say, I haven't had a day off in three years, I'm like, oh man, that is not a badge of honor. Mm. That is a red flag. And so when you're starting out in your business, make your area specific. Don't take clients way out of your area just because you need the money you will end up having to refer them to somebody else later. Why not just let them get to that person in the first place? And stay out of fear. Fear is a huge factor for any business owner because there's feast and famine, especially when you're starting. And if you're doing something out of fear, I can guarantee 100% it's not going to be the right thing. You need to really love yourself and love yourself enough to say no to situations that don't work for you. And when you're new in business, you're going to get in those situations and you're going to go, oh, what was I thinking? (laughs) And I saw it. My gut told me when I went to that meet and greet, but I took the job anyway. Okay. So, so you did that. So don't beat yourself up for it. You have. Most of us in this business have really good gut instincts and intuition. Mm-hmm. You take that feeling that you had at that visit. And when you get that feeling again with a client, run the other way. Just say, I'm sorry, it's not a good fit because you're going to learn. You're going to learn some things the hard way. And we can't avoid that. 
but we can listen to our colleagues, we can listen to other people's experiences, and we can take those experiences and go, no, I don't have to accept less than what I deserve. I can actually work for people I enjoy. I can do the job that I want to do. It's my company. I can call the shots. Basically, if you do things out of fear, you're going down the wrong path. So really listen to yourself and learn to trust yourself because you can trust yourself and take those experiences forward with you. And you learn what you enjoy, what you don't enjoy. Just like me, I learned I could supervise people. Yeah. And I wasn't, I wasn't an ogre. (laughs) 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 I really, you know, in my younger years, I didn't have very much tact. I just said it how it was. And I learned Mm. to temper that. I learned. And um, if you want to grow your company, do it in baby steps. Just do it and see how it works. And what I did find, honestly, is that one or two staff members is not profitable and it's a lot of effort. Mm. So if you're going to get to bring on staff, obviously I said do it slowly, but I really think at least four or five staff members is what would make it worthwhile, especially with employees, because you have a lot of exper- um, expenses involved with that and you can spread that out over more employees and more visits um so that is one thing that i that i think you know you don't have to grow huge you don't have to have 30 employees but i think at least four or five could be your goal if you want to have staff unless it's only for uh, unless you don't care about making profit you only want to serve enough clients to give yourself that breathing room Mm. and you, you need to decide well, and making those small small adjustments because, you know, if we're looking for this balanced life, just like a boat, if you come in and you grab the side of a canoe and really jerk it around up and down, it's very likely going to tip. But if you make small adjustments, if you're careful getting into the boat and balancing and shifting out the weight, you'll be able to find balance a lot faster. And and because what we're balancing here is is not just the business operating, but it's it's our own life in conjunction with the business and that we are impacted to how the business runs and the business is... Ha- impacted by how we're running. And so as we make adjustments to our business, we 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 do the work now to see how we adjust our life around that and what that means for us with the new schedule or the new management or the the new service that we're offering and how that sits with us. And if we come in and change everything all the time all at once, right? We, we we're not giving our we're not being kind to ourselves to make the adjustments that we need so that we can continue to do it, do this and show up uh, 100% for our clients and ourselves. You said it, Colin. I mean, that is, it is it in a nutshell. I love that boat analogy. And one other thing I would like to say is don't be afraid to say, I made a mistake. I don't like this. I'm going to backtrack. Yeah. You know, it's okay. It's okay to say, hey, I tried it. I didn't enjoy it. I'm going to go back to being solo. I really did love being solo again. And recognizing that that was a, that was a, an intentional choice that that you got to make, and that we we face those same decisions every day in our business. And going, no, I have full agency in this, and and I have done my research, or I've learned my lesson, or I want to try something new. I can make a decision to this, and it's not. You know, I, we don't carry guilt into that decision of well, I guess that failed, and I didn't do it right, and I didn't do it. It's well, that was that, and I'm on to something new. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We're here to learn. We're here to learn about ourselves, what makes us tick, what floats our boat, you know? <laughs> it, it it's definitely it's a process. Yeah. It Lifelong is. learning, really. Yeah, something we should always strive for and, and not be afraid to tackle those. You know, you mentioned earlier, like you needed new challenges. So you took on new challenges. You, you, you extended yourself a little bit more into these areas to learn and grow. And I, I think a lot about how the business that we run today with my wife and I, thinking back to the kind of visits we took on when we started 10 years ago, they're a lot different. Like they're a lot more complicated. There's a lot more steps. There's all these different kind of animals that we take care of. And we only got there from going, hmm, well, 
let's learn a little bit and try something new and let's learn a little bit more and we can try that and always cognizant and aware that we shouldn't overextend ourselves and overcommit to something that is not within our wheelhouse, but seeing what's a little bit closer that I can maybe try that has a little bit lower risks for me and my company. That is so true. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. You've got the right ideas there. And I just, I just love what you're doing for our community, for the pet sitting community. It's, you really are providing such a great resource and the topics that you cover are so important. And I'm, I'm seeing that people coming into the business are thinking more about their own emotional well-being as well as the well-being of the animals and their clients and, and their business. Well, Renee, thank you very much for that. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank you for spending your time with us here today, sharing your your story, your journey, and encouraging us to find that balance and do those little steps at a time and reaching out to that broader community when we need that help. Uh, I know there's a, a lot that goes into this, though, and there's a lot of topics here. And so if people want to get connected with you, check out your book and keep up to date with everything that you've got going on, uh, how can they do that, Renee? Right. Well, I'm on Facebook as The Balanced Pet Sitter. You can find me there. Also on my Instagram. My website is actually um, an interactive website. It's it's basically connected with my book. So my website is reneestilson.com. Mm. And my book has many, many links in it. And when you find a link icon, you can go to my website and it will give you the link to that resource, that article, whatever I'm referencing or speaking about. And it's organized not only by topic, but by chapter. So you can go in and if you're in chapter one and you see a link, you can go in and then click the chapter and it'll give you all of those resources, which I just thought was really important for people to be able to dig deeper into each topic. And and it's it's uh, something I'm really proud of. Yeah, there's a there's a ton of links there. I was like scrolling and scrolling and looking. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of resources there. So um, I'll have links on uh, to to your uh, to Facebook and to your website uh, and to your book as well, so people can get that in their hands. Uh, Renee, this has been such a pleasure and honor. I thank you thank you so much for uh, for joining us today. It's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. How do you lead the life of a balanced pet sitter and balanced dog walker? Find joy today. Find something in your world that brings you joy and lean into that. Protect that. Treat that as the uttermost valuable treasure that you can ever have access to. You can lead a balanced life today. It takes intentionality. It takes stick to <laughs> it takes a little bit of stubbornness as well to maintain those boundaries in our life and in our business. But it is possible. And it is something that we should look forward to every single day is knowing that we have obligations. We have a business to run that meets people's needs that fills us. And there's other things in our lives as well that are more so important than that. We want to thank today's sponsors, Time to Pet and Pet Perennials. And thank you so much for listening today. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week, and we'll be back again soon.